Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Thrive After Sports podcast. I'm excited for this one. I've been looking forward to this one all day. This is one of my favorite recent clients that I've been working with, Amy Thompson, two-time Olympian, um, uh, artistic swimmer. I'm trying to get her title correct. Did I get that right, Amy? Artistic swimmer? Yes, yeah, spot on. Okay. We're here because of Athlete Soul, so I do want to, before we even get into this, I want to thank Miriam Glass. I want to thank Athlete Soul, number one, for introducing us. Otherwise, we wouldn't even be here right now. And also for uh, allowing Amy to have a scholarship to work with Athlete Soul for free, which is awesome. So with that being said, like I always say before we, we dive into these episodes, if you are an athlete in need, if you are the parent, the coach of an athlete who is trying to figure out what they're going to do after their sport, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. We have plenty of free resources available to help athletes and transition. Um, Amy, I want to say, number one, it seems surreal that the eight weeks is up already. Um, it's like, I think it's been more than eight weeks. It just kind of flew by in the blink of an eye. But I wanted to have you on today because I know you have an awesome story. And there's a lot of things from your journey, um, not even just us working together, but just your journey in general that I know is going to help a lot of people today, whether it's right now, or like I was telling you before we hit record, you know, five, 10 years in the future when people are listening to this. So first and foremost, thank you for even coming on today um, to do the podcast. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, well, thanks for having me and thanks for seeing value in my story. Yeah, I know I introduced you as a two-time Olympian artistic swimmer, but how do you introduce yourself these days? Um, just Amy. <laughs> <laughs> Although I've always, I've always preferred that, and it's usually everyone else that introduces me as the Olympian. I think this would be an important place for us to start just in your journey. So before Miriam connected us, you were kind of on the fence. Uh, you had more so made a decision that you weren't going to compete in your third Olympics. Can you just take a deep dive into that more so? What was the decision like to um, not compete? And then where were you at at the time, kind of when we first connected? Yeah, so it was um, about six months after my second Olympics. I had one foot still in the door of my sport, one foot in life after sport. And I was straddling the two worlds and I was really lost with what to do. My identity was so um, tightly um, bound with myself as an athlete. And it was really hard for me to imagine my life with that not being a part of my identity. And that's what I thought I thought when I left, that would go. And it felt like I was about to have a really heartbreaking breakup with some relationship that I've had for 15 years of my life so it was yeah it was really scary really daunting so I was really 50 50 compete for another Olympics or move on um it was just I didn't want to do this year I wanted to take a break and I wanted to experience everything else life has to offer so that I could make a an educated decision as to what I wanted to do and that's when um, Miriam was actually my first coach in Sydney and she started the club over there. And my mom is also good friends with her. And it was actually my mom who nudged me. She goes, come on, like go um, reach out to Miriam, reach out to Athlete Soul. It could really help you here. And that's, that's where I was when we met, really torn. Yeah, and I remember it's interesting because there were some things that you were dealing with. Well, there was a world of things you were dealing with, not only kind of being 50-50 on the fence, like you said, but also um, trying to figure out what else life has to offer outside of the pool. Um, what were some of the things you were dealing with just 
initially with the idea of not competing again on the horizon? What were you experiencing at the time? Because high performance sport had been my life for so long, it seemed like the most important thing in the world that was the coolest thing in the world. And, and everyone thought it was really cool. But the more time I spent, you know, in real life and away from the sporting world, like people do find high performance sport cool, but there are so many other cool things in life as well. And I think coming to terms with that over the, the past eight weeks really helped me be excited for these other cool things. Um, and realizing that doing a third Olympics would, is really, really cool. And that would be awesome. And this other thing would be awesome, but you can't do both. Like you've got to choose one door to walk through and it's okay to be a little bit upset that you're not experiencing what's in the door that you didn't walk through. And that's okay as well. I know one of the things you were doing at the time when you were trying to make that decision was making a pros and cons list. And you were super detailed. I think this is just how you're wired. It wasn't just like pros and cons. You had like a scale, like a weighted scale. Um, some things held more weight than others. Can you talk a little bit about your pros and cons list? Yeah, so I started off with just the plain pros and cons of um, like staying with artistic swimming, leaving artistic swimming. Um, and I just had one, um, one sheet. And then I made it weighted pros and cons because there's some things that were in there that meant a lot more to me than other things. For example, I put being cold on my list as a seven out of five. I didn't want to be cold in a pool anymore. <laughs> and um, actually you, Taj, that it was just a small comment you made. You said, but and if you really wanted to do a third, being cold wouldn't hold you back. And you didn't say it because you wanted to steer me in a direction. It was just pointing that out. And that's what you've done this whole process is pointing out things in um, my life and my actions and where things aren't aligning. And it's, it's just been opening my eyes. And so I went back to the pros and cons and I made two separate pros and cons, two separate weighted pros and cons, one for leaving sport, one for staying in sport. And um, yeah, just going back to that sheet multiple times a week, every time a new thought popped up, um, it really helped me evaluate what I valued and yeah, helped me move forward and, and get some clarity with my, with my ideas. I think when we met as well, you asked me a lot of questions with where I was at and I found it very difficult to answer because ultimately like, I didn't understand where I was. I was very lost. Mm. Yeah, that's one thing about me, Amy, that you've learned. I do ask a lot of questions. But like I always told you, I, I ask questions that I want you to be able to take with you and ask yourself for the rest of your life, you know, and um, it was interesting because we were talking about this before we hit record, you were on the fence for a while, even with the pros and cons list, you know, you would, like you said, add things and kind of just visit it periodically whenever those, those thoughts were coming up or whenever you felt like you were really on the fence, and then there was one day, probably, I think it was on the sixth call, the sixth week, where you were just like, you know what? I decided I'm not gonna compete this time around. And it was just such a, it was so interesting to hear you in that peaceful state where it just like clicked just completely out of the blue. And I think it would be for those who are listening and maybe are, and as you know, Amy, a lot of athletes don't really have the choice whether or not they're gonna compete. Usually their time is up before they're ready, but a lot of athletes are in the same position as you where you do have a decision. 
I think it would be important for people to hear what led to your decision ultimately to come from a peaceful, powerful place of I'm not going to compete and I'm at peace with that. Mm -hmm. So you have to understand very shortly before I realized that I was on a downward spiral. I was bound by chains to my Google calendar. Um, I was addicted to being busy and <clears throat> I was wearing my Garmin watch, just addicted to it. And, and it was almost because I didn't have that um, strict regime of training. So I decided to be strict in my life on everything. And that was for the first six weeks. And then I and it got COVID and I had to sit at home and I was sick and I was with my cats and I was with my partner and we were studying all day, then watching Netflix at night. And I realized, oh my gosh, this is nice. You know what, this is nice to just be with the people you love and rest is actually nice. It was a little bit hard mentally, but deep down I knew that I really needed just to rest. Um, and don't get me wrong, day out of ISO, I did go for a run and I almost blacked out. That wasn't a good idea. That was because I went up a really hard hill. <laughs> so it wasn't a good idea. But um, then I stopped, you know, whereas I think before I would have tried to keep going or things like that. And then I went home to my family for two weeks who I hadn't seen in three years. And again, that helped me reassess my values and realize that the important things in life are not how busy you are, what's on your resume, how many Olympics you've done, how, how many things you've ticked off your bucket list. Like that's all great stuff for your achievement, but the real important things are spending time with the people you love and, and being happy because um, like uni grades count, but they're not gonna make you happy. Money is important, but it's not gonna make you happy. Only you can do that. And it was amazing how I sort of came to realize that or got reminded of that within this three week period of having COVID and then being home for two weeks. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just completely got reminded of that, all of that, reassessed my values and felt good about my decision. You know, it's, it's interesting that, well, number one, COVID is a thing that forced you to slow down from, like you said, having that jam-packed Google calendar and the hectic schedule, always staying busy. But also it was, like you said, the catalyst that kind of got you to really have a, a solid glimpse into what your future looks like. Like you said, that's one of the reasons why you were on the fence, because you wanted to have a life um, and see what it was like to be a, an air quotes, normal human being, not an Olympic athlete having to compete and train all the time. So when you think about your future and you kind of alluded to it earlier, just the time with family and not having such a rigorous schedule or having to work out 24 seven, when you think about your future, what do you, what do you see? I know we did some work around that too. We almost created like a, a fictional character, so to speak, a future version of yourself, but what do you see moving ahead? Um, I've got into triathlon training, which I'm loving. And that, so sorry, backtracking to the moment I sort of realized that I was not really so keen on getting back in the pool was I was actually having a meeting with the um, Australian governing body of, of artistic swimming and and they were telling us all about how to get back on the team, the trial process, blah, blah, blah. And they, they told us the, the month that it might be. And I thought, oh, I can't do that. I've got, my, I've got a half Ironman. I've got a triathlon race that month. 
and it was just deep down a little I, I heard that I just thought you know what that's I don't want to do it and then I was watching the national team athletes in the pool and I watched them with so much pride I was very proud of them for what they have been doing and they were looking really good and I noticed that there wasn't a part of me that wanted to be in there with them I could just enjoy watching them and be very impressed with their hard work without wanting to join in so it was those two times that were a turning point for me so then that's when I realized that in my future um, I'll be pretty happy if triathlons in my future I'll be pretty happy I'm, I'm finishing my engineering degree hopefully in January so in the near future hopefully I'll be moving into the real adult working life which I am 26 now so if I had gone to Paris that would only be happening when I'm 29 um, so I'm pretty excited for that and there's just a lot of Lot of little things that you can't do when you're training nine hours a day like going for walks or having coffee with the people you love or you know even taking trips home because when you're training you can't take a week off multiple times a week to go home and see your family mm. yeah I think one thing I want people to take away from your story Amy is just how when you reach that level, like you did of making this, the decision not to compete powerfully, or, you know, for those who didn't voluntarily walk away from their sport, just making peace with the fact that that chapter of your life is over. It doesn't have to be the end of the world, even though, like you said, it is very real. You go through a grieving process. You feel like you're going through this big breakup. You're breaking up basically with the sport that raised you. That's very real. And it's important to, to heal and process at the same time. Once you come through the other side of it, there's a level of excitement that takes place about wow, that was a kind of a small window in my life, given the grand scheme of things that I have the next 50, 60 or more years ahead of me to live a pretty cool life and do whatever I want to do. And mm -hmm. to me, that's why I say that phone call, like your whole, everything about you was different after you made that decision from a peaceful per perspective. And you were just like, ah, it was nice to spend time with family. And, you know, and mm -hmm. I just, I got really excited for you because I knew that you had crossed that threshold of like, I'm excited about my future now, you know? Yeah, and it was so interesting. So I've had um, a few things changed once I made my decision. Um, as you know, I've had a few issues in the past with the body image and then acting on those insecurities. And I think that's not uncommon in sport, especially with females, especially in artistic sports. And I found after Tokyo I was trying to hold on to my Olympic body which is extremely unrealistic because I wasn't in the pool for eight hours a day anymore and it was really affecting me and then when I made my decision and sort of closed that chapter in my life all this acceptance came for who I am now and what I look like now and I'm happy now because I'm not that anymore and that's okay as well that was then and that's what I needed to look like for then and I don't need to look like that now and if I did look like that now I'd probably injure myself with the amount of running I'm doing so um that was amazing the way my mind changed that way but as well I'm not sure if it was um a decrease in stress there's still so much going on you know with uni and, and coaching and things but I feel so much less stressed that 
you know, my gut's been better, my sleep's been better. It's healed a lot of things in my life. And even just the other day, I noticed myself getting a bit agitated and I just noticed this and I thought, you know, I'm not going to go for my ride in the morning. I'm going to sleep in, which before I met you, that wouldn't have happened. I would have powered through and it would have got worse and worse. And that's not productive for anyone, anything, not productive for myself. Um, so yeah, all these, a lot of things have slowly changed. And especially in those weeks, like you said, I was more peaceful and I do still feel that way. Maybe it's because there was, I had all these expectations on myself, either self-inflicted or what I thought other people expected of me. And without that, I, I, I feel kind of free. Mm. There's so much that you shared that I want to unpack, um, especially about others' expectations or how other people feel about you. But I can't overlook what you just said about <clears throat> the body image side of things. Um, that is something I, I think this might be your, your story in itself and everything you just shared was powerful, but this might be a good opportunity for you to give some advice. And I say that because it's a lot more significant for women, especially with the female athletes I've worked with. Like when you're no longer competing, your body does change because you're not working out at the same level. And that's a very real thing. And it kind of compounds some of the other things you're going with where now you're leaving your sport. Now you don't really, you know, you're losing your identity, your schedule's changed and your body's changing on top of that. Um, and I know, especially, you know, the beauty standard for women with Instagram and all these different things like that is off the charts now. So mm -hmm. to those athletes, you know, male or female who may be dealing with that, can you just take a second to give them some advice that they may be not so happy with what they see in the mirror now that they're no longer competing? Mm -hmm. um, I think it for, for me, it was very important to replace um, my sport with, with something else. So I have taken up for me, it's been triathlon, but for other people, it might be gym. For other people, it might be another sport. And when your training changes, your body will change. That's that's just science. Um, and it's very difficult to accept that. Don't fight against the natural process. And it's very easy to say you just accept it, but it's it takes a lot of time. And I think just understanding that your body is the body you have for what it needs to do. Wow, I just had to give that a moment of silence for a second. That was, uh, <laughs> that spoke volumes right there. Um, so for me, at the Olympics, synchronized swimming, I did not need, for, I did not need calf muscles, for example. But now my calves have like tripled in size because I need them. And yeah, eight weeks ago, I found that difficult to look at in the mirror, but now I look at it and I think, damn, you can run half marathons. And I say that to my calves. <laughs> so, whereas, yeah, you, you need, um, yeah, your body needs to be prepared for what you want it to do. And it will change as your activity levels change. And also the other thing that really helped me is helped me a lot is that no one cares and this is not just about body it's about everything very and, and if anyone does care you don't need them you do not need them in your life <laughs> and good people don't care but uh, yeah no one cares what you look like if you walk down the street this everyone's looking different but do you really care about what they look like no so no one cares what you look like um and that that really helped me realizing that actually 
I don't really care. So just do what you want. Yeah, that's great, Amy. I've had countless conversations with women who go through that. Um, female mm -hmm. athletes who are concerned about their body image or they put on, I had a conversation with someone the other day, she put on uh, 60 pounds since she finished playing her sport. And so, mm -hmm. you know, that's like, I think about myself when I was done playing, I was concerned about the fact that I didn't look like a D1 football player anymore. And mm -hmm. like you said, I had to come to a place of like, well, I don't have to, I'm, I'm not competing yeah. at that level anymore. There's no way I could ever look like that. Not, not no way, but I don't need to, like you said, your body will, um, you can, as long as you're taking care of your health, that's the only thing that really matters when it's all said and done. And so for me, I had to reach that point where I was just like, I just want to be healthy. You know, I want to look good. I'm still in great shape. I don't have to look like I'm about to go play a football game right now, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And everyone's, um, everyone's healthy is different. So I joined this triathlon club that's been awesome. And there are people running and riding way faster than me and and they're not looking like super lean athletic people, but they are performing really, really great. So that also made me, and also just my um, running with friends and stuff, not everyone, most people don't look like elite Olympic athletes because most, most people aren't but then their performance is still really really good like I'm still pushed every day by my friends I run with or the triathlon club and that also made me realize that the way you look is not reflective of how you perform and for a long time those two things were really tied in my head in artistic swimming and yeah recently it's just it's, it's split and that feels great to have to see that a little bit split like you, you look one way and that's cool but performance driven is a, a healthier way to look at things I think yeah I want to go back to this too Amy because I know that with you packing your schedule and you're like with the workouts, Amy still works out like crazy. Like she said, this woman, <laughs> there it is. She's got the bike in the background ready to go. Yeah, like, yeah, I am still doing what, two to three hours most days, but I'm taking rest days, but even better, I'm taking them guilt-free yes. because then you need that, you end up performing better. And I'm, and if I need to take an easy day, I'll do that and, and I'm doing that much exercise now because I want to, not because I have to. And that's what's really changed in my mind. I think because when I had COVID and then I was a little bit sick still at home so that when I could exercise again, I was like, oh yeah, I really want to do this. Not, oh, I have to do this. Um, and you end up performing better as well. Yeah. What about your, um, this is another thing too that we we're talking about before we hit record is kind of the defeats and victories. Because for so long, we're used to having our victories being winning matches or winning games. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, the defeats are when we lose or we don't place uh, how we envision ourselves placing. But how did you sort of come to a place where you're looking at finding those victories in everyday life now that you're no longer competing? Yeah, um, I found it really hard at the start. You know, a victory for me was all driven by external factors like getting good grades or um, getting my workouts in, 
and my defeats were, oh, if I'm tired, I'm defeated. <laughs> and that's when, that's when you and I, we made this list and um, I realized that being tired is not being defeated and it's, it's actually a good thing because it means you've pushed yourself and then you can rest. Um, but I, it was weird because when we wrote the defeats and victories list, I knew rationally that in the victories is all the important things that I mentioned earlier, you know, spending time with loved ones and, and you still got to, you know, having a good study session and having a good workout and stuff, but it's not outcome-based as much as it would be great to get the good grades. The victory is in what you do. And I realized once we wrote that and we made that, I knew these things, but I wasn't acting in alignment with them. And that's another thing that helped me turn a corner was realizing I wasn't acting in alignment with who I wanted to be or how I wanted to live. And I didn't know that. I didn't realize that that's what I was doing until we wrote some things down. Mm. Yeah, that I feel like for you, that was um, because you are such a go-getter. And like, you know, you just showed the bike in the background a second ago. That's not going to change. You're always going to be driven. You're always going to go hard, whether it's physically or at, with achieving your goals. But I just feel like for you, that was such a, a big thing. And I was so happy to see you start implementing that was, like you said, just celebrating the small things and, and finding victories throughout the day, the smallest of things, even something like for you, which was a complete 180 taking rest and time to recover and recharge and allowing your body to rest, counting that as a victory. Um, mm -hmm. I think that that was just major. And I know that that's going to take you really far. And you're already just even with some of the things you shared today, I can see it's already working. Like um, you're so at peace, you know, <laughs> since that, that six call, that, that call where you told me you made the decision. Oh, that reminds me, I don't want to forget. Cause I, I wrote it down when you talked about other people's um, response, like, I know you've made some official announcements that you're no longer competing. How have you yeah. been, what sort of feedback have you been getting? And, you know, how have you been um, handling other people asking questions or, you know, different things like that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's been, it's been, I think 99% has been people saying, congratulations. I think it's the right choice for you. Um, you're going to achieve amazing things, blah, blah, blah. Good luck going forward. All positive things. Um, and then a couple of people have just said, oh, I was really surprised, but not in the way that, oh, that's a bad decision. Just, oh, I'm surprised, but yeah, really congratulations. I'm happy for you, blah, blah, blah. There's been no negative feedback at all. Um, and then from the people that are closer to me and that really understand the journey and the sport, um, my real closest friends inside the sport, they've been extremely celebratory because <laughs> um, maybe they've left a couple years ago or they've left at the same year as me and and now we can all be retired together and look back on our journeys all together and be proud of it and and um, it's actually the artistic swimming in my state in western Australia they've done really well at retaining athletes that have retired so we're all now either coaches or competition managers or on the board which is fantastic to have something to move into, but to stay inside the sport. And because it'll always have that 
a very big part in my heart. Like you said, it's the sport that raised me and I want to be able to give back and help it do the same for other athletes. Yeah, you do have such a big heart, Amy. I love that you're finding a way that you can give back, um, kind of stay around the sport, pour into mm -hmm. the athletes coming up behind you, but also you're not trying to build a life around it. You have other things that you're pursuing. Um, not that there's anything wrong with people who want to stay around their sport, but I think oftentimes a lot of athletes stay around their sport after retirement because it's comfortable. They don't know anything else. Maybe they're scared to branch out. Um, for you, you're one of the those people who just wants to give back out of the kindness of your heart, which I think is really cool. I think there was that fear of leaving the sport as an athlete because it was all I knew. You know, I started competitively when I was 12. Um, and so there was fear, but that was as an athlete. I didn't want to leave being an athlete because I was scared of what else there was. Yeah, but as a coach, it's just, I, I love it. I love giving back and I love being on pool deck. And I more love when it's really cold and I watch them get in and I can stay dry. <laughs> That's the best part. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, that was like, sometimes I still think, Amy, like the cold water was like the ultimate decision of you not competing again. <laughs> sometimes I really feel that might have been like the final straw when you think about that water. Oh, it really was but you know I still get in and swim um multiple times a week but it's you know it's doing lap swimming and then I get out and then I go home I'm not in there for three hours and um and oh there was another time around all these pivotal moments there was one time I um I went to the pool and the warm the warmer pool that I usually swim in was occupied so I had to go inside to this pool that is um, notoriously quite cold, at least for artistic swimmers. We hate it. It is the lowest ranked pool for us because it's just cold. It's a swimming temperature. So I guess swimmers don't find it cold. And I looked at it and I just thought, no, I don't want to get in that. So I just went home. And I felt so empowered by that decision. And that was my first step to feeling um, free and in charge of my future. Um, and, you know, there are days where, you know, you still have to be tough on yourself. You still have to say, all right, suck it up, do the hard, like, do what you came here for. But that particular day, it wasn't worth it. It was not worth me pushing myself for that. So, no, I just turned around and went home. <laughs> and it felt great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think at that moment you realized, like, wow, nobody's going to make me get in there. That's That's got to be a pretty cool feeling, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And think, like, I've always been very good at getting myself in, doing my training by myself all through high school year, 9, 10, 11, 12. I was getting my dad to drop me to my school two, two and a half hours early so I could do my training by myself with no coach four times a week. That was me in high school. Um, so I've always been very good at just staying focused on what needs to get done and just doing it. And I still do it. But I just realized like I don't have to do it as as um as strictly as I was when when I was full-time athlete. Yeah. You have the choice. I've signed, yeah. I've signed up for a couple of triathlons and I will be strict in my training then. But yeah, it's it's well, I guess it was always my choice. But I just feel different now. <laughs> it makes yeah. sense. No, that makes perfect sense. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I mean um 
you know, like for me, I still get up really early, sometimes like five in the morning, even earlier, but it was a really powerful moment for me when I realized no one's making me get up so I can go work out. Like I set my alarm, I get up naturally and I have the freedom to do that, which it does feel really empowering, like you said. Yeah. Um, I think now, Amy, this might be a good time for you to give some advice. You already talked to those athletes who are kind of wrestling or on the fence about whether or not they should compete. I know they're going to find inspiration in your story and you gave some just great tips around that too. But um, for those athletes who maybe they're not leaving voluntarily, their time is up. They didn't make it professionally. They didn't make it to the Olympics um, or just maybe they're coming off of a professional or Olympic career, or, you know, we're recording this in May when in the U S or out there too, in Australia, a lot of semesters are ending. And that's going to be the last time, you know, people are coming out of college, going into the real world, as we say. So what advice can you give to athletes who are tuning in right now um, who are trying to figure out their next steps or wondering what's on the other side? Anything you want to share? Um, I think it's okay to feel a little bit scared. It's okay to be a bit nervous. Um, step into the discomfort. Try things that you have always want to try but either didn't have the time or um, were too too nervous just just give a lot of things a go and some things maybe a lot of things are not for you but you won't know if you don't try and if you keep staying on the same path you'll never know what else there is so we've always got to um, explore and 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 test other things out as I said, if they're not for you, they're not for you, but at least then you know, you know, you can make educated decisions with what you want to do with your time. Did that answer the question? It definitely did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then for the athletes who may need help or need guidance or kind of need someone in, in their corner, um, would you recommend that they reach out to Athlete Soul or reach out to me or just even if it's not me or Athlete Soul or any of the other coaches, like, what do you think is the importance of an athlete having someone in their corner who's been there before to help guide them through their transition? Oh, I think it is incredibly important. As I said, I was straddling two worlds. I was having a borderline identity crisis before I reached out to Miriam. And I, it's been eight weeks of a very transformative process and I could not recommend it more to anyone. I think Every athlete, whether you think you need help or whether you just want someone to talk to about the process, that is a completely third party. Like our lives are no way intertwined at all, which is another thing that really helped me be extremely open and honest. I put everything on the table, every session. Um, that really helped. And so firstly, my advice is to reach out to Athlete Soul or, or Utah. I think it's an extremely beneficial program. And number two is if you do or slash when you do, be completely open and honest and, and try and squeeze that lemon for all it's worth. If, if you're given a task to do between weeks, make sure that you do it and you dive into this program because that's how you're going to get the most from it as well. Man, Amy, I love, I love that you shared that, um, just the part about being open and honest. And I say that because people have heard me on this podcast say time and time again, that was my problem. And that's a lot of athletes problem because we're prideful people. We don't want to admit that we're hurting or we're dealing with certain things or we're uncertain about our future. We don't know what we're going to do next. All of that stuff. Um, it's, it's a strange position to go from being, you know, under the spotlight, competing at a high level, being a superhero almost to like 
I'm vulnerable, I need help, I'm struggling, and to open up about that. And I'm really glad you touched on that because um, I think it takes it takes courage to do that. You know what I mean? To number one, admit that you're going through something and then to be open about what you're going through and allowing someone in to help. Granted, I don't know, like you said, it does help to have someone who's a third party because like you said, we don't know any of the same people. So it creates a safe space where you can talk about things that maybe you wouldn't talk about to people who you have to see every day or who know you personally. Um, but I, I do want to commend you for being willing to be vulnerable, like I said, because that does take courage and for being willing to do the work, you know, to put yourself in a better position. Like one thing about you, I knew from the jump, you were not here to mess around. No BS, no type of fluff. Just like, hey, I'm here. This is where I'm at. I want to get better and I want to move on with my life. And you did that very well. So just my closing remarks, I just want to tell you that it was an absolute honor and a privilege to work with you, um, to get to know you. I got better as a coach um, and I'm just really inspired by who you are and where you're going. And I know that the people who listen to this, they're gonna be forever transformed by hearing your journey. So I just wanna say thank you for allowing me to coach you. Thank you for being vulnerable. And um, like I told you, I'm not going anywhere. So if you ever need anything, you know where to find me. Oh, yeah, well, I can't say thank you enough either for helping me transition through this or it's even, as I said at the start, I didn't know if it was gonna be a transition or not. And you just helped me see some clarity. So. Yep, can't thank you enough. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, Amy, I do want to be respectful of your time. I know we're coming up on that hour mark. I was eating when we jumped on here trying to finish that apple. So <laughs> we'll one <laughs> it does. Yep. We'll go ahead and wrap it up. I know you're getting your morning started out there. Um, mm -hmm. So thank you again. And everyone, I hope you enjoyed this. I know you enjoyed this episode with Amy Thompson. Um, she's a prime example of what it looks like to thrive after sports. And mm -hmm. um, Amy, thank you again for coming on. And we'll talk soon. You have a great day. Thanks. All right, everyone. We'll see you in the next episode.